with the first pick. And we are back with episode three of the Dapped on Draft podcast. Three weeks in, going smoothly. Uh, you know, it's, it's about to pick up now. We're getting into the, to bowl season playoffs soon. Uh, prospects are, are declaring. Prospects are back to school. Prospects are transferring. News is picking up. It's about to get really busy. Uh, so as always, we are here with, with me. I'm your one of your co-hosts, Corey Kennan, here with Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, like, like I've been telling you, uh, off air, been a busy week. Uh, had a work conference, so I was out of town for a couple of days, but, uh, excited, excited to, I'll be able to share some news, uh, you know, on, uh, social media. So, uh, I'll obviously drop the handle later, uh, later in the show and some exciting news, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to bowl season. It's, it's one of those times of year that, any given day, you can you can have a you know a couple games on, and uh you know it starts with probably one of the the better bowl games uh you know matchups of the of the bowl season. You got Troy and UTSA facing off, so I'm I'm very excited to to check out that game. I don't think there's you know a ton of NFL draft prospects, but in in terms of two programs that are really building uh, a foundation in in their respective conferences, I think it's. Uh, certainly going to be one of the the better ones, especially TSA, who you know continues to to add to their team and continues to be a really good team. They're going to have, I believe, they're going to have Frank Harris come back as well. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. And, and a lot of a lot of portal news. Um, we'll get to in just a second, but a uh, huge, huge tight end uh, landing down the ACC. So I'm looking forward to talking more about that. Heck yeah, uh, I, I, we do have to talk about before we dive into to a lot of. You know, there was some some big news that was rather unfortunate, rather sad that college football this week, as well as as, as Mississippi State head coach uh, Mike Leach did pass away. Uh, you know, the legend all the way from Texas Tech to Washington State to to Mississippi State there in between and before um, college football wouldn't be the same without Mike Leach. Uh, the air raid uh, has Mike Leach's name all over it. Um so that's just some really unfortunate news coming out of college football this week. Um, Mississippi State did hire their defensive coordinator as their head coach, but, but we do have to, to talk a little bit about Mike Leach and, you know, guys like Cliff Kingsbury, you know, there's no Patrick Mahomes without, without Mike Leach, you know, so, uh, really he is, 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 he's not technically the father, but he's, he's the godfather of the air raid in college football. And, and, you know, the, the sport isn't, isn't what it is today without, without Mike Leach. So, um, best wishes to him and his family and, uh, you know, just, just an unfortunate, uh, event, you know, I, I that it was a, a serious heart attack, you know, not much to speculate on, but, um, yeah, college football is not the same without Mike Leach, not a more animated player, not a more animated coach than, than Mike Leach. So. Yeah, definitely sending thoughts and prayers to his family, uh, Mississippi state organization, really all the former players and coach, uh, coaches of him too. Um, cause he, he's had a, a, you know, big, big impact and, Obviously, one of the more notable names that he coached and uh, really helped uh, develop is Gardner Minshew. Uh, so he, he gave his thoughts uh, about, you know, his his former coach and a lot of 
people have been posting on social media. Reporters have been affected by him, and he was he was more than just you know a coach for what you saw, saw on TV. Sure, he was a a spectacle and and you know brought a lot of hilarious moments, but you know just from seeing kind of the outpouring of love from even some of the media that covered him, he just wasn't a you know, person that said funny things, you know, in front of the the microphone, but he also cared about the development and, um, you know, just caring about people in general, wanted to always make people better around him. So uh, sending my thoughts and, and prayers out to, to his family and everyone that was uh, affected by him at some point uh, in his life. I will never, never, never forget that, that Texas Tech year, you know, with Michael Crabtree, uh, being a legit Heisman candidate and the, the big, uh, last second touchdown Michael Crabtree scored in the, in the corner of the end zone, broken that tackle against Texas to, uh, to give the, the Red Raiders that win. Um, just one of the more electric college football seasons, the more electric college football programs. And, you know, if we're singling out one singular year and one singular team within that year, that Texas Tech team was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Graham Harrell was, uh, uh, a guy that came from there he's you know coaching uh on the west virginia uh football staff right now so i mean he he played for him as a coach and i'm sure what they you know what he learned from leach was something that he's brought over you know into his coaching career so you know it's it, it goes you know like i said far beyond football but you know just like you said that texas tech team was a lot of fun and you know every t- every stop he's been at he's made some memorable moments, you know, he's really brought the best out of his quarterbacks that, you know, on the surface that they may not seem like NFL talent, but he's able to to bring the best out of them. And and Will Rogers is the latest example of that and Mm -hmm. how he's been able to turn him into, you know, one of the better passers in the SEC, you know, just a testament, his coaching ability and acumen. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, huge, huge news for the college football world and, and, you know, you, you wish the best for his family and whatnot moving forward, but he'll he'll always be honored by, by everyone that's coaching, that coach from under him, uh, that's coaching now, and all the players that play uh, or, or played under him. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And there's no good way to transition out of that, but, you know, we, we, we are moving forward now. So uh, talking a little bit of portal news, so the portal still booming, uh, but a couple big names this week, uh, either transfer, enter the transfer portal or uh found an ending spot first Grayson McCall uh a year ago around this time Grayson McCall said when I say I pissed heel I mean it and no longer is Grayson McCall uh, he said he's going to play through the bowl game good for him and then enter the transfer portal um I know I saw he's going to visit Auburn this week so um that's a that's a big one um you know I would assume Liberty's probably going to be up there too with Jamie Chadwell taking that Liberty job um I, Grayson McCall is a player. I I didn't think he would have that much interest transferring up just because he he's in such niche offense and he does have such a limited arm. Um, but it's interesting that you know Freeze is already on him at Auburn. So, uh, what are your thoughts to Grayson McCall? Yeah, I think McCall is one of those guys that you know has really carved out a a excellent college career. Uh, obviously, played in some big games. Uh, you know, throughout his college career as well. Injuries kind of plagued him this season, and you really didn't see the best of him. Uh, but but to me, you know, he's, he's a guy that I don't think he's a high upside NFL type player, but I think he's one of those guys that can stick around and maybe he'll find himself on a roster. Maybe, you know, with his athleticism, if it doesn't work at quarterback, maybe they think about using him elsewhere. 
Uh, but but I'm very interested to see what what he what comes of it, where he ends up at. Because you know, at the very least, he's he's definitely can land at certainly another group of five team and maybe one of those lower level power five. So we'll see if Auburn takes a swing on him um, and, and see what comes of it. I'm not sure how much he moves the needle per se in a, a league like the SEC, but I'm certainly interested to see where he lands and, and where he uh, ends up at and, and finishes college career. Yeah. And again, if all else fails, I, I feel like Liberty is going to be a, a good fallback, you know, in the, the NIL era one Chadwell takes the job there. Liberty's got some deep pockets, man. They can find some money to, to lure a guy like Grayson McCall into to Liberty. So, you know, I, I get it, you know, capitalize. Uh, again, I don't think he's got an NFL future at quarterback. So yeah, stay in college as long as you can maximize your, your financial um, gains as much as possible in the college level. And again, transferring out of coastal again, new head coach, Tim Beck coming over from NC state, go somewhere that's going to benefit you the most. If that, if you don't feel like that's your situation, absolutely. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, yelling at the cloud, old man yelling at cloud about the NIL and uh, players being able to capitalize but I think it's great for the sport. It's a lot of fun to cover. Uh, it's madness. Uh, but Grayson's one of those guys. And again, uh, one of the bigger names in the portal found a home this week. Is, so um, South Carolina tight end slash H-back slash running back slash whatever you need it to be. Uh, Jockey Bell opted to enter the transfer portal rather than declare for the draft. Uh, and this week landed with Florida State, uh, which I think is an interesting fit. Um, I just hope. He goes that Florida State's able to to maximize what he can bring to the field. I don't feel like uh, Beamer Shane Beamer did so at South Carolina. You know, I, I probably wouldn't give him 13 carries a game like he was getting at South Carolina. But uh, he's a he's a guy who can make some plays and he can align all over the field. You know, I, I would love him on my NFL team that I root for that knows how to maximize a guy you know, as a tight end three H back can align him as a big slot. He's a mismatch. So, um, Mike Norville, he's in your hands. Take good care of him. Uh, Jaheim Bell, Florida State Seminole. Yeah, that was, that was a, I don't want to say a surprising move because people started to speculate and started making connections that he's probably going to land there. Uh, but, you know, Norvell is known for being creative. So, we'll see just how creative he can get with Jaheim Bell. I mean, they have a, a solid uh, receiving core down in Florida State. And wonder, now I wonder if that having Bell now kind of convinces Jordan Travis to maybe come back for another year or uh, how they, how the quarterback situation kind of unfolds. I think Travis has already said he's coming back. All right. Well, there you got it. There you go. So uh, Florida State's reloading and and looking to uh, possibly be a contender next year in ACC. We'll see how it all unfolds, but, you know, having Bell on your team, that, that gives you a lot of luxury. And, and all I can say is just don't waste the opportunity because Bell probably, gets drafted uh, probably top 50, I would guess, top 75 if he entered the draft this year. So maybe he's trying to get to that first-round area, but I think a lot of that will depend on if he can kind of establish, I want to say more of a main position, but more of a main role so we know exactly mm-hmm. who's going to be at the next level. And and maybe you just continue to use him all over the place, but but certainly we'd like to see him get the production that the talent warrants down in Florida State. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for like move tight ends, man. Like I loved Chigo Conquo Lester, who's balling out for this year uh, as a rookie. Like he's about to set their rookie uh, receiving record as a tight end with the Titans. But I love tight ends who you can move all over the field and can do a variety of things. And I think Jaheim Bell has a clear path to be a contributor to the NFLs. Uh, that's really 
really exciting. Now transitioning into a little bit more NFL talk. Um, yeah, we we need to talk about some prospects. It's an NFL draft pro- uh, podcast, so we should probably talk about some specific processes, uh, prospects. So um, one position that has caught a lot of buzz is the running back position. Um, again, running back position doesn't tend to have a lot of guys drafted in the first round. Um, but there are a couple guys that um, might warrant that this year. So we're going to talk a little bit about the running back position. So Devin, obviously there's Jameer and there's Bijan Robinson. So um, in your opinion, do you, do you value either of those running backs as, as guys that you could see? Yeah. Let's take those guys in the first round and let's run with it. Yeah. I, I think both of them are first round talents. Um, now in terms of where that lands, there's no way. I I, I don't want to say no way. I don't, I find it hard to believe that there's going to be a running back select in the top five. Um, obviously, I'm I'm not going to name names in terms of who who's putting him in the top five. But Bijan Robinson was in the top five mock, and to me, I I understand it. He is really probably one of the better prospects we've seen in recent years in terms of what he can do with the football in his hands. I mean, the vision, the ability to make, make dudes miss, uh, the obviously upside and uh the the passing game uh but to me i think really after that the the first i probably say after the top half of the draft i would start looking at at running backs in terms of picking them up um but but i know it's a possibility that you know maybe Bijan goes top 10 uh for me i think jameer gibbs is probably a late first round guy um and, and testing i think is either going to solidify that or or maybe it moves him down a bit but to me i think with gibbs skill set I think I like kind of his blend of, you know, just it just looks so smooth running the football, his vision, but also in the passing game. He he just makes so many big plays in the passing game as well. And it's not just, you know, screens, but he he can run routes uh down the field. I mean, he, you can can split him out and he can uh, you know, provide a mismatch. But then after him, I think it's really going to be the interesting conversation. Obviously Blake Corum is in the mix. Um you know, Bijan Robinson's teammate, Roshan Johnson, you know, has, you know, I won't say significantly less usage, but has less usage than Bijan. And he's probably a guy that can stick around NFL roster too. So you're going to have a lot of guys that bring a different type of skill set. And I think overall, you're going to see probably more running backs than you saw in, in previous years get selected because, because of the specialization. So I, I think for me, I wouldn't take either running back in the top 15, but that's just me. I think a team probably going to take Bijan in somewhere in that range. But, but I think for Gibbs, he's probably a late first round or early second round. So this is a fun exercise since Saquon, who obviously went wrong in 2018, not a single running back has been drafted before the 24th overall pick. So again, you know, Josh Jacobs, 24th overall, Najee Harris, 24th overall, Travis Etienne was, was I think, 25th overall. I think Najee and, and Travis went back-to-back in, in 21. Uh, and then no running back in the first round last year. So uh, Clyde Edwards, the layer 32nd overall as well. So so as it sits now, 24th overall pick is forfeited from Miami because of the whole Stephen Ross situation from last year with the Stephen Ross-Brian Flores situation. 25th is Denver, who they have uh, Javante Williams, Melvin Mel, Melvin fumbled himself of their roster uh baltimore ravens cincinnati Bengals, dallas boys kansas city chiefs minnesota vikings buffalo bills philadelphia eagles um are kind of round out 25 to 32 
I'm trying to look like look above 24. Giants don't need a running back. They got Saquon. Washington could. Washington's got some other needs, obviously, quarterback position being one of them. Um, but Brian Robinson's looked really good since he's come back and the the adversity he suffered this summer and coming back from that. Uh, do you see any team above the 24th pick that you could say, yeah, I could see a running back going here? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's tough because you, I mean, you look at kind of what what history says versus, you know, what team needs are. I mean, the Chargers love Eckler. And obviously Seattle just spent the second round pick on Kenneth Walker. The Jets have a stable of running backs too, and they have Brees mm-hmm. Hall selected in the second round. Um man, I I don't I don't really I I don't know if you can justify it. I mean, a lot of these teams have bigger needs. I mean, you look obviously in the top five. I mean, really the Eagles, I mean, they they could be in the market for a running back. Miles Sanders is could be is might be a free agent this year. They obviously have Kenneth Walker on the, on the roster, but I mean they're you know they could. I don't think they make that move though. Arizona, they're always a weird situation. Um, they have Connor, but I don't know. I mean, I really don't see it. In in conclusion, to be honest, yeah. I, I I just don't. I don't either. Right now, um, the two thing, the two spots that I could see. Potential and, and and probably not even, but the two spots that stand out to me are one nineteen Tampa Bay, the worst run game in the NFL right now, worst mm-hmm. run game in the NFL right now, and I think be contributed towards their offensive line play has been not great, um, and I don't think their offensive scheme with Byron Leftwich's sequence is helping. But but what I come back to is how much do they value Rashad White? You know they just drafted him on day two last year, um, so they did just draft a rookie running back. Um, but how much do they value Rashad White? Do they think that he can be a three-down guy? And do they think that he can, or him and Fournette, Fournette's been bad and he's been battling injuries, but do they think that they're confident enough in their running backs uh, with the worst running game in the NFL at 19? Do they think, yeah, we could compete still? I mean, Tom Brady's 45. You're probably going to need a quarterback here soon too. Um, so that's one. And then New England. They just drafted Pierre Strong on day three as well. Ramondre Stevenson the year before. Uh, they still have Damian Harris, but they're a team that's always kind of like RBC, running back by committee. Uh, is that a team that that feels like, yeah, let's add a let's add a star running back in here? I don't think so. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't see a team. Um, you know, when we start talking about Buffalo at 31, they just drafted James Cook in the second round, but Buffalo's run game has historically struggled as well. Um, Isaiah Pacheco has been playing pretty well at Kansas City, but Clyde Edwards Alaire has not panned out at all. Could they could they make the move? Uh obviously Philly's the big one. I Philly would pull the trigger. Looking at the roster, it's loaded. Miles Sanders has been playing really, really well though. So ah man, yeah, Bijan's real excuse me, Bijan's really good. And Jameer Gibbs is really good, but it's hard to find a landing spot. For a running back in the first round this year, it's really hard to find a landing spot for either of those guys. Yeah, we, we might see a situation like last year. We get a run on second round running backs, uh, you know, in kind of in in that middle of the second round. But I, I think, I mean, you just, I just keep looking at this list, and it's just like nothing screams at me. But then again, you never know what what happens. A lot of these teams sometimes 
maybe if we're getting I'll have to take a de- deeper look into some of the contract years that some of the running backs may have or they may be coming up. I mean, it, it could very well still happen, but it, the likelihood of it happening, I think, is, is pretty low at this point. Maybe Vegas pulls the trigger and and get Bijan Robinson because uh, they they're already not picking up Jacobs' option. Maybe that's a surprise running back uh, landing spot. Man, that would be wild considering he's leading the league in running. But again, they pick up his option. He's a free agent. So, ah, man, maybe it is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, you lead the league in rushing, but the running back is is the most volatile position with the shortest shelf life. So let's run you into the ground and then they might let him walk. I mean, it's not unheard of. That's, that, that wouldn't be out of the, the out of the realm. It would just be weird to see a team let the leading rusher in the entire NFL walk. That would be bizarre to watch. All right. Now we end the, the part of the podcast. We've done it both episodes so far. Of, you know, just a few guys that we've been watching uh, that we've been impressed by, not impressed by, just, you know, who's been next up on our, on our watch list. Um, so who we're going to, we're going to talk about two guys each who, uh, two or three guys who, who have really impressed us, um, or, or made some sort of statement to us, uh, even watching and, and I'll, I'll kick off here, uh, with a little bit of a hot take. Uh, I've been watching through some pass rushers and I know this about myself when I'm watching pass. Rushers. I have a massive bias towards dudes who have rubber bands for hips, who have rubber bands for lower bodies, who can bend the edge, who are flexible, uh, can take tight corners and play well outside of the frame. Uh, so I'm going to start that off by saying like this, but I just watched LSU edge rusher BJ Ojolari, and I'm not sure there's more than two pass rushers I'd take before him in the NFL draft. Like he's got long levers for arms, massive length, flexible as hell, can bend the edge, take tight corners at will. I think he's got a pretty good repertoire of pass rush moves. And like, if you look at B.J. Ojolari from 2021 and B.J. Ojolari from 2022, and we talked about this last week when we talked about conference championship games uh, of prospects to watch in conference championship games, the first episode, uh, when we talked about Ojolari versus Broderick Jones, he handled Broderick Jones in that game. Absolutely burned him a few times. Uh, and if you look at it from 2021 to 2022, the body transformation is is astounding. That dude rocked himself up over the summer. Um and his tape is phenomenal. I watched the Alabama game. I watched the Georgia game. Uh, both those games, I mean, Jason Glatham is probably going the first round next year. He's playing right tackle for Alabama this year. Might play swing over and play left tackle next year. And then Broderick Jones is probably going to go top 50 this year. Uh, and I thought he put on a show against both of those guys. Um, yeah, he could be a little bit better about the run, but he has long, long, long arms. And I think he understands how to use them as leverage. So that helps him set a strong edge. So, B.J. Ojolari, again, I think he's a first-round talent, and I don't know if there's, you know, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, blank. I, I think I might slide B.J. Ojolari in, into that blank. Uh, that's how impressed I was with this tape. Yeah, Ojolari, man, uh, he he's supremely talented. And to me, I think, you know, with Brian Kelly coming in, I think, you know, that the newfound defense has really unlocked his potential and, and really let him do what he does best is and get after quarterbacks. And and he, he really unlocked the ability, like you said, to use that his long arms to to disengage and, and be able to to play, you know, uh or setting the edge and then the bend ability. I mean, you you gotta gotta be sucker for for guys that can do that. And and he certainly fits the bill. Speaking of biases, I love corners that are in your face, that are physical. 
uh, that can can click and close with with hip fluidity and Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. I know we talked a lot about the Illinois defense, but but man, I'm a big big fan of Witherspoon. I uh, watched the the games against Michigan, Purdue, uh, in Nebraska, and man, I, that Michigan game was a lot of fun. Um, he did get beat early in the game, I think on on an in, in out route, and and then missed the tackle. But after that play, he was uh, locked down. He was able to. I think there was a play that you know Michigan did kind of a one of those rollout type plays, and receiver was you know kind of running one of those delayed out routes, and he it looked like he was he was going to get him, but Witherspoon's uh, ability to to close on the football is impressive. Same thing in the Purdue game. Uh, they called a lot of ticky tack pass interference calls against Witherspoon in that game. I get it. The physicality sometimes can can take over a little bit, and that's one of my worries about this game. But I mean, the way he's able to to fade dudes into the sideline, uh, his his recognition with the ball in the air, uh, you know, always kind of that spatial awareness that even if for a second or two, you know, receiver is able to to get free, his recovery speed is so quick. And he's able to to use and to get his head around and, and get his hands on the football. He had 14 pass breakups this year and three interceptions, two of them coming in in the last game against Northwestern. But I was just so impressed and with, with what he did in off man coverage. He's able to to be right there when the ball is even when when catches are made on him, he's right there. So I love that ability. I love dudes who. Uh, or physical during the route uh, at the catch point or competitive at the catch point, not just giving up those easy catches, but making them work for everything. So I, I love Witherspoon. I think he's a top 20 talent in this class, and I would not be surprised if he's one of the, the top three corners off the board. Yeah, Dane Brugler mocked him in the first round of, of, his, of his latest mock draft. So when Dane tends to put you in the first round, that's when he, one, Dane hears a lot of things from scouts, and two, Dane's got a good eye for that thing. So um if you see him in a first round mock of, of, of Dane Brugler, then you know the hype around him is real. And uh, again, the the Fighting Illini had the best defense in college football on an EPA per play, EPA per game basis. Um, best power defense in college football, which is is high praise for a school that doesn't get five stars, that rarely four stars. So they're playing a bunch of, you know, three stars uh, and, and dominated. Um, and Witherspoon is a big reason of that. Probably the best player best defense in college football and uh you know defensive coordinator ryan walters got it just got the head coaching job at at purdue because of it so um you know i, I love johnny newton out, out of illinois as well so I, I i do wonder if that might might sway his decision to to declare well maybe as a as a redshirt sophomore but um my second guy i'm going to talk about uh we're going to go to clemson clemson's got a couple defensive tackles three of them actually we're talking about brian versus going to go top 15 uh tyler davis is probably going to find a role um probably on day three as well but i'm going to go with the third guy uh, and talk about rook or horhoro i think i right i looked it up beforehand and i'm still not sure but uh, if i say it with confidence that means it's right um and i think he's going to be one of those fringe top 100 guys that comp pick to fourth round range um as a defensive tackle in the class again he's he he's also got some length to him uh, almost 34 inch arms um knows how to, to with leverage as well, really good pad level, can shoot out and 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 push uh, into the chest of, of blockers across from him. Uh, he anchors doubles really, really well. Uh, I really noticed about his. Game. I, I think he's probably just going to be a, a, a two down of tackle early in his career at the next level. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot as a pass rusher, but uh, but he's got a lot to like. Uh, gets off the ball really well. Again, really good pad level leverage. Well. Um, 
And so I, I've, I was really, really impressed with Rook. I'm not even going to try his last name again. I'm just going to call him Rook. Um, he's going to go, he's going down at the senior bowl, got an invite. So we'll see how he holds up in one-on-ones, how he holds up in team sessions. Um, but the NFL teams are going to like him based on his ability to, to win at the point of attack and, and to dig his heels in uh, and anchor doubles at a high level, uh, even if he can't provide much on pass early in his career. So um, really, really good defensive tackle class, and that's just enough game to, to add into the mix. Um, but he's going to get drafted, I, I would say, late early four. Yeah, Clemson, man, they they're always developing those those defensive linemen, and and you know, got, obviously got a couple like you mentioned, Murphy and uh, Brisset, but but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to to dive into his tape and and see uh, a little bit more because I watched him preseason and and saw him against Georgia last year. He made some some really nice plays against Georgia, um, and and just in passing, he's he's made some plays. So so excited to to dive into him uh, a little bit later in the process. Uh, second player I'll bring up, uh, is a guy that, you know, I came into the season, really had high hopes for him, um, and, and thought he was really going to take off in the SEC, uh, but, but really struggled this year and was Anthony Orgy from, for Vanderbilt. And he was a dude that consistently leads his teams in tackles and, you know, you know, kind of the mantra people are here Vanderbilt and like, oh, they, do they have guys there? But, but, uh, for Orgy, I, I was just very disappointed in, in his tape versus prior to the season versus uh, in the season. And, and it had a lot to do with like, his tackling and tackling angles. I thought, you know, it seems like he's there ready to make plays and and he's not finishing these plays. And these are plays he made last year. I thought his game against last year against Tennessee was really good. I watched the tape this year against Tennessee and, and he was just all over the place. Eyes were were in the wrong spot, um, you know, taking poor angles, uh, trying to, to throw dudes down versus tackling through them. And then in coverage too, uh, just did not see the same guy that I saw uh, his last year's tape. Uh, you know, he was getting depth on his drops, but he wasn't getting into passing lanes. Um, you know, I think there was a play against Georgia. I watched the Georgia game as well, where I thought he did a solid job of carrying uh, Darnell Washington up the uh, on a wheel route, but didn't get his eyes around. Um, and then just in general, I, I just didn't see the impact plays that I saw um, you know, from last year to this year, and it kind of took a step back in consistency. So I, I, I was hoping coming to the season that he was a guy, maybe he cracks the top 100, top 150. I think he's probably more of a six, seven round guy because he's a core special teamer. He's on every single special teams for, for Vandy, and he, he does a great job at that. So I think that's probably going to be his calling card at the NFL level. I think he's, he has sufficient speed to do it, but the eyes and, and the missed tackles were were a, a big uh, red flag for me in watching his film. So, so to me, I think he's still a guy that can get drafted. I think he's, he's he'll uh, have to test well and 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 really go through the draft process. Hopefully, he gets a a senior game invite to give him a chance to kind of bounce back and and address some of those concerns. But but overall, uh, I came away disappointed with with his his tape and and what he brought to the table. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the linebacker. I finish up edge rush here again. I, I write for for the Portland, so I'm kind of start positions of need and defensive tackle, edge rusher, linebacker, all all pretty big needs. So I'm excited to dive into linebackers. I'm going to start with Drew Sanders. Work from there. Um, but that's it for for now. Uh, again, this is episode three of the Daft on Draft podcast. You know, next week I have some bowl games that have been played uh, to talk about. 
uh, prospects out in that. And and then as the, the draft process gets going and, and Devin and I get some uh, some more depth to our big boards being built, we'll, we'll be able to break on rankings, top 50, positional breakdowns, uh, and, and all the good stuff from here on out. Uh, but until next week, Devin, thanks again for, for joining me as the pilot on this journey. And we will be back next week for episode four.